This is getting better and better. Just absolutely stunning, like really. Um, you know, it's funny. It's so interesting. I, it, I had this thing I was telling Steve uh, a while ago about art. We were talking. I was talking about art, different art forms, and art criticism, and all of that stuff. And I, I felt like um, visual paintings. Uh, before people criticize them, they should just take them in. As a matter of fact, they shouldn't even. You shouldn't even be allowed to use words to describe something that is beyond language. You know, you should just be able to sit there and show reactions. <laughs> Move your hands around, <laughs> jump up and down. As, you know, get the visceral effect of what's happening. Because that's really what it is. I was looking at some of your paintings today and I, I literally did that. I was just kind of like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, and then just visit or inhabit this other world. Yeah. So it was really, 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 really phenomenal stuff that I was looking at. Well, I think and that's I, part of what's great about art, right? I mean, you really get you, you get trans, transferred into this other world. I mean, you do a great job, Brian, with with light and texture and movement yeah. in the paintings. I mean, they're just phenomenal. They really capture. Uh, the mood of it, but the the lighting and the texture of it, I just, oh, I've I've always loved it. Well, just amazing. I say, I, and I'm gonna say this: this might be a little blue and a little risque, but you had something up there, and I called it the vi the vagina before it became a grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't think my I don't yeah. think Brian's gonna take that as uh, as the title for that painting, but uh, we'll let you. That's no, fine. That's fine That's because great. you know what? I think everybody who looks at that is going to see that. <laughs> they might now. Yeah. Well, you know, I do keep so, things a little abstract to uh, leave uh, the, the viewer to interpret. You know, what, yeah, I, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. I was actually listening to um, uh, your uh, guest appearance on the Dark uh, podcast. Yeah, dark and arts. I really like when, yeah, the dark arts. And you guys were talking about that, like leaving just enough so people can come in and bring themselves to whatever work they're looking at. So I, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. That I come with my own narratives. Obviously, if I'm looking at a vagina trying to get the grapefruit, <laughs> <laughs> not sure what you're thinking today, buddy. Yeah, it's but, fairly know, obvious, right. Steve. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I, I wanted a woman, and I wanted some fruit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Brian, we we typically like to start the show by asking our guest what uh, what's inspiring them today. Do you, is there another painter? Is there music? Is there another person? A book? What what's inspiring uh, Brian today? Well, um, that that's a great question. I I have a lot of you know threads of inspiration uh, that I that I kind of go to, and uh, right now one of the one of the big things is that. I'm helping put together this uh, big conference uh, called Vision X Live, and mm. we've got a lot of actually over 80 artists uh, participating. And they're just very high-level artists that are really outstanding and, and kind of leaders in in their various fields. And whether it's in, you know, one guy Dylan Cole is uh, a production designer for the Avatar films. You know, works with James Cameron. 
Oh wow! Another another, another artist uh, just had a, a really successful one woman show in uh, New York, uh, and it was kind of her debut show that really it it's been so popular that they the gallery has taken on another month, and so I, I've been wow. inspired by a lot of different artists right now, um, both traditional and digital, uh, and there's there's something about the camaraderie of just rubbing shoulders with people like that and having conversations about art and about life, about what's going on in the world that just kind of elevates your craft or, and the desire to want to do something, you know, even better or look beyond what you've been doing in, into maybe even a higher level that, you know, you know push yourself further because of who you're yeah. talking with and associating with. Kind of a cross-pollination, cross-germination idea then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's awesome. And kind of the idea of the the conference is, or what I've wanted to see out of it is, it's uh, like a, a TED conference, you know, just for the visual arts though, you know, mm. a little bit more specific, but a lot of people with a lot of variety just sharing big ideas. Uh, you know, in, in fact, the, the art world has been totally upended just in the last couple of months. And that's because of the uh, NFTs, uh, the non-fungible. Oh, right. Uh, yep, so, yep. So all of a sudden it's made artists who are digital feel like they can be real artists, uh, you know, yep. and have, they have collectors. And, and so that has been really interesting to see what that's done. And, um, you know, we have some digital artists or that I've been talking with, you know, I've sold a couple of these NFTs just to see what it's like. Um, I don't really, oh, have need, you really, okay. Yeah, I don't really need to do it, you know, for it's more of a curiosity and, and, and a, the ability that I have to have a conversation with people uh, mm -hmm. or other artists, digital artists about it. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's going to unleash or it already has and unleashed a new level of creativity among digital artists mm. to kind of explore things that they couldn't explore otherwise because they're usually employed by you know, video games, film, or, you know, uh, some sort of client if you're doing digital work. Uh, occasionally they would sell prints for a couple, you know, like 30 bucks, but, right. you know, even Beeple who sold his piece for $69 million, yeah, yeah. you know, um, six months ago, he was the most he'd sold one of those four is a hundred bucks, you know, for digital. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. I've been following that. That's pretty fascinating to think about what the ramifications long-term are going to be in the art world and the crossover, because, you know, the, the, the adage in uh, visual art in particular is that you really don't become famous and you don't make much money until you're dead. Sure. Um, yep. And then at that point, people will buy your paintings for a lot because then it's, you know, a scarcity resource. But uh, it's been fascinating for me every day when I pull up CNBC and I'm watching uh, and, I, and you, you get the ups of what some of the FTs are doing. It, it's pretty interesting to see. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like over the next several years relative to the art community. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly having people be one of the top three living artists in terms of price, you know, that, that you get skyrocketed. I mean, that's, there's no yeah. rocket going faster than that. So that, you know, just will have these waves. Um, and there, there's a lot of crap that gets sold right now because of that euphoria that sure. worth yeah. anything, the major large majority of it. Um, and who knows if, if people will ever make a sale like that again. Um, 
or any other digital artist. Who knows? It's so new right now, but it will be around in some shape or form, you know, NFTs and this whole cryptocurrency and especially mm. as cryptocurrency gets more widely adopted uh, among people, you know, if my, you know, parents are starting to use crypto a little bit, then, you know, I know that kids will start <laughs> using it and who, who yeah. knows where it's going to yeah. go. There. Uh, it, it, maybe it is a, a better fine way to use money. I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but it's, it's kind of time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, and with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast. Uh, and, and the finger painting artist, uh, our resident intellectual himself in Oberlin, Ohio, uh, my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Thank, thanks for bringing your finger paintings to this uh, art symposium today. <laughs> and in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is a man who is going to inspire you to disrupt and evolve your soul we are fortunate to have Brian Mark Taylor with us. Now, uh, Brian is a painter, a lecturer, entrepreneur, and world traveler. He's a true Renaissance man. As a painter, Brian has won top awards in national and international shows, including second place in the 2018 Arc Salon, and his work has been shown in museums across the world. He's been regularly featured in Fine, fine Art Connoisseur, Plain Air, Southwest Art, American Art Collector, Imagine FX, and American Artist Workshop Magazines. Brian has had many successful one-man shows and won global medal at the California Art Club's annual show. Brian is currently represented by galleries in California and Utah, and his work is found in private, corporate, and museum collections around the world, including the U.S., Europe, and China. Brian is a sought-after teacher and lecturer and has taught courses around the country, including the Academy of Art University, Pixar, and a Scottsdale Artist School. Brian has been a featured speaker in the 2012 to 2016 Plain Air Conventions, CTNX, and the Fantastic Arts Conference. In 2019, he co-founded the popular online school, sentientacademy.com. As a product designer, Brian has developed a premier outdoor painting system called the Strata Easel, which, used, uh, which is used by plein air artists worldwide. Brian has traveled around the globe, carefully observing and capturing nature's everyday miracles. Brian was born in Portland, Oregon. He received a Bachelor's of Arts from Brigham Young University, or in Utah, as we call it, the, team, the uh, place down south in 2001, and his Master's of Fine Arts uh, at the Academy of Art University in 2005. He currently lives with his wife and four children in Alpine, Utah. Brian Mark Taylor, welcome to the Evolve podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, we're, we're I mean, it's just so great to have you on. It's been far too long since we've chatted. Uh, but I do recall a conversation uh, that you and I had years ago when you were just starting out, I remember when you graduated with your bachelor's and I said, what are you doing? And he said, man, I'm all in. I've got a studio uh, that I've just, you know, purchased, or I don't know if you were renting it or what it was. And you were just going to start putting in the work. And I got to tell you at the time, I was just amazed by that idea. Because for me, I don't know if I just didn't have the guts to do it or what it was, but I thought, well, I'm going to do it a little bit on the side. 
what would that take to just go all in? How cool it was, uh, you know, at that time to watch you and now to see you 50 years later where you're at, <laughs> right? 50? Okay, <laughs> it's been a lot. No, but it really, it really seems like yesterday. And now you're an internationally acclaimed artist. So Brian, talk about how you got into painting in the first place. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, as a kid, obviously, I, I had an interest in drawing like most most kids do. So that's that's there's nothing too fancy about that. Um, I did kind of inherit from my dad a drive, I think, to uh, whatever I did or chose to do. Uh, I'd have to kind of push it to the limit. And uh, so there's a certain intensity, I guess, to my personality. Um, I was always known as a kind of a quiet kid. Uh, I wouldn't say... A whole lot, you know, in, in group gatherings, uh, but I, you know, I, I, there was a lot of, lot, a lot of thinking going on, I guess, and uh, Cal you know. calm waters run deep, that's for sure. <laughs> so um, I think, uh, really, when I was a kid, I, I just remember, in, like in third grade, you know, we had the art assignments and and things that everybody was doing, but for me, it there was just some magic that happened, you know, when when you, mm. I started drawing, I remember drawing a little, uh, horned, great horned owl and just thinking, Hey, I really enjoyed that. There's something, some little magic spark that happened when, when I did that. And, and then, you know, one little thing led to another and it was by the time I was like, uh, actually just a year later in, in, uh, I think fourth grade, I, I got put into selected out of you know, all, all the kids in, in the school, one of six that got to have a little separate session to do art. And we just, mm, the test okay. was to draw a little house. And so oh, I remember that. Yeah. Do you, you remember that? Okay. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. And so I got selected to do that. And, and that was my favorite time to, to do something, you know, to, to have a little time to draw and, work with the teacher. I can't even remember who the teacher was really, but. I was just going to ask you, now, were you in Utah at the time? Uh-huh. Because yeah. you were born in Portland, but you grew up primarily in, in Bountiful, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was there in elementary school in Oak Hills. Yep. Yep. So uh, that kind of led me to, uh, you know, want to keep pursuing it. I, I told my dad that I wanted to be an artist when I grew up around that time. And he had no idea I had even an interest in it, you know, as one of eight kids. And so I don't think he was, you know, as a middle child. So I think that's why. Right. Right. But anyway, I uh, told him that's, I wanted to be an artist when I grew up and he was kind of blown away by that. But uh, to his credit, that's uh, he and my mom looked for an art school that I could go after, you know, after school. <laughs> And that's where we found a place in Salt Lake City, and they did all all kinds of academic drawing and different things like that. And it just kept building and growing from there. Found teachers, and you know, obviously did it in high school. Did the AP classes, and um, and just the, the more it went on, the more intense I got about it, and the more interested and in trying to find the you know the the teachers and that I needed. And really, I think at my undergraduate really wasn't the education that I wanted. I wanted to learn more mm. of a skill-based education, and they were more of kind of a theoretical 
uh, or, you know, was considered by some a postmodern education where it was more about conceptual art is more about the description next to the art rather than the craft. Right. And so right. that was a little bit of a frustrating time where I had to do a lot of questioning and wondering, is this what I really want to do? And, and, uh, but then that's where I found the Academy of Art University in San Francisco, one of the few universities at the time that taught traditional arts in the fine art department, not in the illustration department. And, and so by going there, that's where it really helped, uh, you know, open my eyes to some really, you know, high level master craftsmen. And a lot of these artists that I really respected were from China, actually, and they were trained almost like a, you know, like a Chinese or Russian gymnast. And meaning they, they lived at the place since they were a kid, they hmm. painted or drew seven days a week. And so the first demonstration that I saw from this Chinese artist named uh, Zhao Ming Wu, who is an excellent figurative artist, uh, does these really beautiful nudes um, and, and clothed figure uh, paintings. He, I, I was just so blown away by his, what he could do with, with the brush. And, and so, you know, it just, it got, it sunk even deeper. Like I'm, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes to uh, get better at this. And so, you know, the, from then until now, I've just been continuing to work on my craft, um, you know, meet people, you know, enter as many competitions or things as I can. Uh, and, and, you know, every step you just, you kind of learn some new things. You try and do things a little bit better and, um, and you just have a lot of fun along the way and, and, and meet some interesting people, see some cool places. And, you know, now I'm more at a point where, you know, I can be really selective of what I choose to do. Um, but at the beginning, you know, you, you have to be willing to kind of do whatever it takes, right. To yeah, uh, yeah. get there. Um, it's interesting though, to hear you talk about your education because, uh, from, from the fine arts perspective. So my wife, as you know, got a degree from Brigham Young and, it, it, she had the same feeling. It was very theoretical. Um, she still created some great work. You know, I, I love looking through her old sketchbooks and seeing some of the work that she created, but it was, uh, there was a lot of theory that was there and not a lot of effort and work that was put in and hearing what you're talking about, where it was this immersion concept, you're living in the studio, you're putting the work in now I could, now I'm starting to see the dots as to like how all of that pulled together for you to where you became this, you know, extremely productive artist. In fact, I remember a conversation we had several years ago. I don't know if you recall this, but I was thinking about, I, I hadn't painted in years. I got involved in family and business and whatnot. And I thought, okay, it's time to get back into drawing and painting. And I wonder if I could do something like this on the side. And in one conversation with you, I thought, no way. I, I, I can do it as a hobby, but there's no way I can even compete um, at the level that you're doing it. Because you said, well, there's high production artists, there's mid production artists, and there's low production artists. How many paintings do you do a week? And I'm like, uh, one or two a month. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so you're really low. And you know, when, I, when you told me about how many paintings you were painting every single day, every week, blew me away but i think it also goes to show why your work is so great because it takes repetition to create the mastery that you have 
So talk about how this consistency in producing work, because I'm sure like most artists, you produce things where you look at it and say, nope, not, not feeling that one. Don't like it. So talk about the production process and how the repetition is important for creation and and how you stay inspired to do that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, those are, those are both very good questions. Um, uh, you know, it is a little bit as far as it's part of inspiration and, and I guess part ambition is, is some of it too. And if an artist doesn't say they have some, uh, you know, an artist that has taken their art to a certain level, doesn't have ambition, I would I would definitely challenge that. Um, yeah, Stephen so, Pressfield talks about that a lot in a lot of his books when he talks about the war of art and do the work, that you have to have that ambition. You've truly got to put the work in. You do. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember uh, I went to Europe as as kind of a young artist, still in my undergrad, going to Europe, coming back. I had all these grand visions of what I was going to do, and then I, I I came back, started a painting, all these big visions, and kind of flopped after about a half hour. I was exhausted, mm. and I was just I was really kind of disappointed in myself for kind of feeling that way and. And I was, I was worried that maybe I, you know, you have all these self doubts and things like that. What I found over the years, you know, it's just so much, your attention span is so much like, you know, the same thing as your physical uh, body as you're lifting weights or doing any sort of sport. You, you know, those reps are so, so important. And uh, one of the things I learned from uh, not in my undergrad, but more in my grad program was the reps and what mm-hmm. reps actually looked like. And one of the things that I missed in that undergrad that I found in the grad program was that the teachers would actually do the demonstration first, that they would go up there and in front of everybody, show them how it was done. And that was, that was just so inspiring. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at some street, street credibility at that point, yes, point. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if, if you're, if your coach or whatever, can't do it or show you, you know, get a different one. Uh, right. So then I started seeing uh, that, that these people could actually do it. And then what I started seeking out was uh, people out. Uh, Cause a lot of these teachers are actually practitioners. They're out in, they're teaching part-time most of them and they're out doing gallery shows and things like that. They're not like a career professor or anything mm. like that. So uh, I think that's the problem with with this kind of tenured kind of track. You're getting it from teachers that don't have to function in the in the real the real world, and yep. you know, and, and survive in, in 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 that sort of space. So that's a big part of it. Uh, the other thing that I found that was very motivating and helped me with the reps was I started doing these competitions even while a student that were called plain air competitions. And what that is is. You go paint outdoors. Basically, you bring a bunch of blank canvases. You uh, get them all stamped to prove that they're blank. And then you go out and paint as many paintings as you can, hopefully so you have some really good ones. Hmm. And by the end of the week, you have a show, public show in front of all these collectors and all these people uh, and your peers. And it tell you what, it's super motivating because it's, you know, it's very public what you've done. And it's very um, unforgiving, you know, in terms of like, you know, you need to have sales or, 
you need to have feel like you came away with a award or something. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to eat. <laughs> so, yeah. What so a cool idea. I didn't know that those things even existed. That's like the original um, baking show or, totally. <laughs> or, or what's the, the uh, tattoo Iron show Chef. that's on. Yeah. Or Iron Chef. Right. Yeah. You've actually got to produce and then show them and say, here's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it in just jazz, cool. they call it cutting and jazz. They call it cutting. Cutting. You just, okay. you, sh you, sh you show up to a gig, they call you on and you play. And if they throw that symbol at you, you are cut. You're but out. You, yep. You literally have to go up and you've got to perform. Yeah. And you do. <laughs> so it. this is really interesting hearing from art. From wow. Art, yeah. From yeah. I didn't know that it even existed. So, yeah. you know, Very cool. and that's the amazing thing, you know, we're, we all have a little bit different backgrounds and we're also all speaking the same language, right? Cause you know mm. what it takes yeah. regardless of what you're doing to, um, to kind of push yourself to a higher level. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I talk about a plein air painting a lot like it, like a jazz artist, you know, when they're going through those, uh, some of those things where they're just kind of making up the melodies and the notes and remind yeah. me what it's called uh, when they do that, they're improvising. improvising? Yeah. 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 So that's a lot of uh, composing on the fly. Uh, you yeah. know, we're just kind of trying to see the. you're looking at a scene and you're saying this chess piece needs to go here. This needs to go here. This needs to move there. You know, I, I'm moving everything around in order to orchestrate something that's actually going to work. And, you know, I got really good at that just because, you know, the light's changing. You've only got a couple hours to capture something. Uh, and it doesn't matter if there's wind or if it's raining on you or whatever you've, you've got to perform. And so, um, hyper-focused, you know, too, uh, there was a lot of great things about that training that, doing those competitions helped me um, kind of elevate uh, my game. Do you start to, um, if, if the elements are changing, <coughs> excuse me, if the elements are changing and say you've started a work and you've had like maybe an overcast sky, but all of a sudden it's just gotten dark or maybe even start raining, you try to incorporate that or you try to remember what you saw and keep painting from what you remember the scene looking like yeah. when you try to incorporate those mm. new elements? That's a, that's actually a very, very good question. And um, I, I say yes and no. Um, it, it, for young painters, I say don't. I say st stick with your original plan because mm. you're going to get confused, your colors are going to get muddy, and you're going to screw up your composition. Mm. Um, but, you know, the longer I, I paint, um, I feel like I can, if there is a moment that I can bring into the painting and I you know, over the years you find out kind of what works, what doesn't, uh, then I will throw that in. But a lot of it you do have to hold into your, into your memory where you say, I actually, this cloud floated by a half hour ago. I liked how it looked. I'm going to throw that in there. And you, and oh. you learn how to memorize how things looked and, and shapes and colors. And you can kind of throw a little note in there to remind yourself. Uh, and so your memory becomes a lot deeper the, the more you paint. So Oh yeah, I see that. Uh, so yeah, like recently, yeah. that's why I've painted a lot of um, you know just stuff from my imagination. Just uh, in part of it, you know, just stay interested, and also to try new techniques, but also to see what is in my head and what's not. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I still need mm -hmm. to maybe work on.
Uh, yeah, a couple, couple of things that really stand out to me with what you're talking about, Brian. So one, your memory improving because you really truly have to be present and observe in that moment. And wow, what a lost art that is today. You know, yeah. we are scrolling, we are seven to nine second uh, attention span. We have a really hard time focusing in our digital society. And what a really cool byproduct that art and painting can be is it, it forces us to focus. The other thing that I'm thinking about is that when you're talking about this and you say, hey, I saw this cloud go by 30 minutes ago. I think this is something that many visual artists don't understand that as the artist, when you're creating, you're building the composition and the painting, you are like God. You are creating in that space what you want to be there. You don't like that tree, take it out. You like that cloud, put it in. And I think there's a lot of parallels to life because as we create life and we evolve through life, we don't have to keep things in our life that we don't want. And the things that we do want, we can add them in abundance. And what a beautiful thing that art teaches us. Yes. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think art in a lot of ways is an act. For me, I, I, you know, I'd love to go up into a monastery and, and be a monk for a month or two, you know, just to see what that's mm, like. Me too. But it would be really, it would be super hard for me. I know that. And and part of it is I'm just maybe, maybe it's just the way society is right now. We're bouncing around. And uh, sure. what I found with painting is it's an active meditation. Mm, so yeah. it, um, but rather than being more, maybe a passive, uh, like a, a monk would be more passive in their meditation, just letting that sure. yeah. go by you know, me, I'd actually respond to that. And I, I think that works for me better. It puts me in the state that I want to be in, you know, that uh, mental state, which is, I think, relaxing and, and very positive and, uh, you know, healing in some ways too. Very, very. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it's just a little more active. And I like, I like that. It, it works for my temperament, I think, to, to actually be doing something, accomplishing something, but still have a little bit of that feeling of meditation, you know, as you're yeah. observing the clouds go by or things that are moving kind of slowly, um, you see that those kind of slow changes. And you're interacting and the, with it the, too. The mild anxiety that suffuses you when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> when that moment is gone. When okay. Gone. So I want to, <laughs> yeah. you, you really kind of set up this next topic or this next question perfectly because I've been a, I've been a big believer that while not everybody has an affinity towards visual art or music or another form of what we might call art, I do believe that everybody has a creative power inside of them. I think that's inherent to the human being. I think that we have this creative gift and we have the ability to be creative. And yet so many people look at it and say, I'm not creative, but what you've tapped into by saying that your painting is this beautiful form of meditation, an active form of, of meditation and creation, I, I, I think everybody can tap into that. And sure, maybe, you know, 99.9% .9 of the world will never become a painter like Brian Mark Taylor is. 99.9% .9 of the world will never get to the point where they create something as beautiful as you create. 
but that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it. Right. It doesn't mean they shouldn't paint, shouldn't get involved in some sort of creative and artistic pursuit, because there's a lot of benefit that comes from that. Tell me your thoughts. Am I off base in this and thinking that everybody is creative in some way? No, I, 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 it's really important because there's, there's uh, we kind of can go down two paths and, and, and I mean, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, people that like Neil Diamond and people that don't. Right. Mm. Uh, but, uh, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the depends on that, which Neil Diamond you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> well, that's a famous quote. Gotta, Bill Murray. Yeah, uh, I know. I love Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, anyway, as soon as you said that, though, it, I went to the Bill Murray in uh, Zombieland. Oh, I don't okay. know if you remember that, uh, where yeah. he shows up what about Bob? with the face. Yeah, but I love Bill. Yeah, I love what about Bob. In fact, I don't know if I told you this, but when our first child was born, we were watching What About Bob until the contractions got so bad and the doctor's like, okay, I think we need to turn it off. But literally the point where, is this corn hand shucked? That's like Danielle was between between contractions. And so we've had to show all three kids that movie to yeah. say, hey, Beth was born to What About Bob? So anyway, yeah, sorry, back correct. to Neil Diamond and your idea. Yeah, yeah. So the two paths are one, you're either, you know, you're going to go into the, a creator mode and, and or a critic mm -hmm. and uh, the problem is if, if we don't take that or have the courage to actually go and be a creator in our life mm -hmm. whether it's our life path or um you know any facet of our life right if we go into that we we have that we know we're going to get criticized right uh, when we start making those making those decisions as soon as i uh, place a painting on a wall and say you know this is my work I know people are criticizing it. You know, I know I'm never going to be universally loved. And I think that concept or that idea is paralyzing to so many people. Yeah, if, you know, yeah. if we have that courage and can get over it, uh, you know, and, and I think, like you said, everybody has that opportunity as long as we um, can work through that fear. And, and the sad thing is if we don't, um, if we don't feel like we're creative, I think what we're at, allowing to have happen is an inner critic to kind of take over in our life. And it becomes us sitting back, not in, we're not in the game, you know, yeah. not creating. We're just, we're criticizing what other people are actually doing. Uh, and I got to yeah, tell you, I that's think... the first time I've heard somebody explain it quite like that. And that is, that is deeply impactful. We're either critiquing or we're creating. Yeah in life. I mean, you're either criticizing yourself or you're creating whatever life you want to create. You're either criticizing someone else or you're creating a better life for them and society. Yeah. Wow. I think the other thing that, again, and we've talked about this on the podcast before is <clears throat> the idea of what people think are uh, successes. And oftentimes yeah. people yeah. forget that you, you, you can get better at anything you want. Mm -hmm. You can, it's, it's most artists, most artists, well, I think all artists, and we don't get to see this a lot. They never show an artist sitting in a room, whether it's a writer, painter, musician, poet, creating the very thing that they do because they're all alone. There's nothing glamorous about just being all alone, working on something. You know, we rather show the red carpet, the big opening and all of those things. Mm 
And I think people confuse the two because if they can separate the two, anybody can sit at a desk and start something and appreciate what they do. And they're always worried about that next level where, you know, where the critics come in, is my work good and, and stuff like that. And I love the fact that you said that's paralyzing to them. That's very paralyzing. Whereas if you just created and then put it away, you are creating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I found that even as somebody, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't trained as a product designer, but I, I made, you know, this uh, easel system that yeah. people, yeah. people love. And, and really the, when I first put it out, it was kind of a disaster. You know, I, I, I decided I made something for myself that I liked and I put out this first product and a couple of people are like, this is, this is insane. The only thing this is good for is uh, warming tortillas. That's what somebody told me. Wow. <laughs> for, you know. But thank you very much. Yeah. But, but one of the things that uh, I've, I've learned from the art, the art, what art taught me is that you can be criticized really heavily and you can survive it and you can even uh, come out of it even stronger. And so yeah. Uh, that's something that um, just being able to take a critique is right. is one of it has become a super one of my superpowers. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, that is super cool. Well, I remember a conversation you and I had a years back where you had mentioned to me about this that you were trying to decide. Yeah, at one point you were trying to decide whether you were going to go all in on this easel that you had created. Because you weren't sure, you really. Hey, I'm doing pretty good in art, um, but do we want to jump into this entrepreneurial invention? You know, this creation, this design that I created. Um, and so, what made you decide, even with that negative feedback that you got, what made you decide to go all in on the Strata easel? Uh, I think part of it is is the belief in myself that I can I can make it better. And, and just knowing that um, somebody says it's not that great, I know the process of how to get it great. Uh, mm. and, um, sometimes I've thought, though, time-wise, uh, it, it has been a distraction. I, I have to admit that, you know. <clears throat> but at the same time, it has, I, I look at it also as another one of my works of art. And, yeah, yeah. You know, as in... And art is a lot of art is problem solving. You know, you make a mark, then you have to decide if that mark works with the other marks that you put down. And if you need to adjust it, remove it, add another one. And that, that kind of principle applies to, you know, whatever you're trying to refine and make. So, uh, it, it, so I've, I've seen that as I've broadened the definition of what it means to me to be an artist and what I think really it kind of boils down to it's, it's, you're, you're making something, whether it's your life, it's a, it's a product, it's something tangible, digital or whatever, but you are, you care enough to put your kind of heart and soul into it. And you're willing to put a little bit of your, a lot of yourself into it. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's scary, right? I'm putting my soul out there to people. And what if they think my soul is, you know, not, is, is not that interesting or it's ugly or it's stupid or, you know, all those doubts that we have. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of conversations about people like, how did you start it? How did you start your business or whatever? I said, I just started it. I just threw it out there. <laughs> just do it. Right. 
you know, and then people say it's crappy and then you refine it from those comments. <laughs> I'm not afraid to do that. Uh, and I, I see a lot of people that are so paralyzed they can't even like create a website, you know, or get a name for their business or, you know, just yeah. so, stuck, yeah. so stuck on just little things that aren't that important. And I'm like, Hey, and, stop and, talking okay. about me. You don't know me that way. Stop <laughs> talking about me. <laughs> and, and well, but I, that, that's, that is a key point though, because a lot, we, we <laughs> fail before we start far too often yeah. and whatever you're creating, you're going to, you're going to create it. And at one point you might be in love with it. At another point you might actually hate it. And then right. you might fall in love with it again. I remember like two or three weeks ago, you know, we started this whole concept of evolve and this podcast and this clothing line and all of these things. And about two weeks ago, I was looking at it. and was like, what a dumb name. What a stupid name for a podcast. Why did I come up with that name? That's so dumb. And I just went through this 24 hour period of time of hating all of our work. And then I looked back at that. Now, nah, okay. There's some things that are not that bad in there. Uh, I think it's okay, but we do that. We fail before we even start Yes, because yeah. we have our doubts. And I love how you're talking about that. You went all in. The other thing that I think is really interesting, Brian, because I know that you've been uh, called a Renaissance man before. Now we go back to the Renaissance. And I think one of the most uh, uh, famous of the Renaissance man was uh, Da Vinci. And people may know Da Vinci for some of his works of art. Maybe they know the Vitruvian man, um, whatever. What a lot of people don't understand is this is a guy that designed sewer systems, right? People don't understand that. Here's a guy that he had so many different interests and he, you know, the sewer system didn't exist back in the day, but he said, well, what if all of this waste, this garbage, this, you know, feces that's in the street, what if it went under and he actually designed sewer systems? He's not well known for that, but he did it. And yeah. he didn't get recognition for that, but he did it. And what a cool thing. And, and you're doing the same thing. You say, well, maybe this will work. I can take the criticism and I can keep moving forward. And you just continued on with it. That's really yeah. inspirational. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Da Vinci is just amazing that way. I mean, obviously he, you know, his patrons would lament the fact that he wouldn't finish certain things that they wanted him to finish because right. he had so many interests. <laughs> But uh, I think there's something about. I, I don't know what the number was, but but they I I think it was maybe in the dozens of that he acts that people believe he actually finished. Yeah. In fact, I think some of his greatest works of art, people say he never finished it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And there was actually an exhibit in Salt Lake City at the the museum um, downtown where they had a lot of his unfinished works. Oh, at the Leonardo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Leonardo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he continues to inspire. And, and I think a big part of it, maybe one of the themes too, that I find so fascinating about him and, and how I want to live my life is curiosity. Uh, you know, I have a, an intense curiosity about the world. Um, you know, if I wasn't a painter, I would be probably a naturalist. I would love to be David Attenborough and travel the world uh, studying animals uh, and, yeah. and, and all of that. Um, and, and see as much of the earth as, as humanly possible and, and the animals in it. Um, I just I think have a that, question. Yeah. Well, just because based on what you were saying, so like I had taken some notes, I had listened to some other podcasts you were on, I read some things and you said something that was really curious to me. Um, at one point you said, it said God, beauty and spirit. 
could be seen as artistic heresy. Oh, and yeah. I just hmm. thought, what does he mean by that? <laughs> I hadn't read that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, I mean that um, that particular kind of discussion, you know, in in light of today's, uh, you're talking about religion or politics in today's climate yeah. is is, uh, is something that I've I've avoided with. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna step around that maybe a little bit, um, but okay. I'll just I'll just say this: um, there are, there are tribes, you know, in the art world, just like in you know, Democrats or Republicans and certain artists of one tribe will hate artists or people from the other tribe. And so, Hmm. you know, that, that has to do with politics. It has to do with religion. It has to do with a lot of different things where everything cooking, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's an intense, passionate either dismissal or hatred or whatever you call. And so that was, that was a comment based on, um, you know, how generally speaking, doesn't matter the religion, but it's, it's not if in, in like the MoMA in New York, you're not going right. to see a devout artist of any, of any faith taken seriously. And okay. I, I see where you go. Okay. Mm, yeah. In, yeah. In an institution like that. So, yeah. yeah. And it, you know it's in academia and all kinds of things, and, and I get the arguments and, and all of that. So I'm not necessarily I don't want to take a position on all that right now. That's a totally different. Okay. Yeah, that's I a just because I, I remember years ago reading. Um, it was actually it's a small paperback book. It was called The History of Modern Art, and literally what it did is um, posited these lines of demarcation after every movement. Mm-hmm. And how people of the new movement looked at the people of the old movement and things like that, and and again they would look at the works with the idea that oh that's heresy. You know, I remember one of the things I remembered where you had to paint early on, you had to paint people revering God looking up, and the minute they started painting people looking at the earth, that was heresy. Mm. And then the great movements had happened after that, you know, so I, I totally understand what you're saying, but it would just seem like in, in every religion, at least the foundation of every religion, like God, beauty and spirit exists. And uh, maybe the, the actual venue you use to come through that can be debated, but God, beauty and spirit is just, it seemed like that. That's, you can't debate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. people do. People Some do. people do. I mean, they're, you know, there's a strong, I mean, obviously one of the, and I, you couldn't, I don't know if you can call it religion or not, but atheism is also, you know, a part of the, the uh-huh. zeitgeist, right? And yeah. so right. I think that's much more questioning is more important today in, in those upper circles than, uh-huh. than um, maybe a dogma, anyone, anyone dogma. So I think that's, that was my comment about that is that, that's that's just kind of the nature of, of what we live where of how we um, of how our institutions are and, and how the kind of public discourse is. Now that doesn't yeah. mean that there are groups within you know certain religious groups that are they're still creating artwork for themselves and for their faith and and those things right. are moving forward. But on a uh, public um, non you know. In a public institution, that's 
uh-huh. really treated with the same same sort of uh, respect. So, uh, unless it's maybe a, a you know a, a very marginalized group, because marginalization is an important theme that uh, that that's being discussed, and inclusiveness is an important theme that's being discussed in museums today. So. Yeah, in that sense, big part of the social conversation. It yeah. is a big part of the social. social yeah, so you know, underrepresented groups. It's really important to to have that dialogue. And so, in that sense, it could be treated with maybe a little bit more respect. But if it's some but something that's been a little bit more, did we just lose him? He just quit. Oh, we lost him. <laughs> yeah, he quit. He's a, I can't well, handle this. <laughs> all right well it's like what's that black dude talking about i'm out <laughs> he'll be back yeah all right well this was see that would be the that's the conspiracy theory how is yeah. that just cut him out so they they going too far <laughs> okay let me just message him we lost you I bet it was his battery. I bet the battery, he didn't check the battery that just went dead. Because that was just out. Yeah. That's a, that's a battery thing. Oh, is Wait, it? You want to bet? That's less bet. I bet it's a battery thing. Because it just shut off. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, here he is. Okay. <laughs> Let's there see. He is. Coming back on. Sorry about that. Hey, that's okay. There we go. We got Listen, you back. If you don't want to, if you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to talk about some of the things I bring up, just just say it. You ain't got to cut out and just leave. <laughs> Look, he just doesn't like black liberals that live in Ohio. That's it. Just okay. Well, tell me, I'll get off. <laughs> yeah, get off. Why don't you get off? <laughs> you, know, you, you guys are the painters. You know, you, I'm, I'm sure you guys. Are he doesn't. Well he me. doesn't like jazz musicians. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, sorry, yeah, that's wow. great. Sorry about that. Hey, that's life. Break. That happens. Yeah. Well, so Brian, my... I, go ahead. You're talking about, you know, things that we throw out there. Paintings get criticized, and we've talked about criticism uh, quite a bit. That as an artist, you are just prone to critiques, and people are going to critique your product. They're going to critique your artwork. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with your work. Um, and I guess I've just noticed it in the last year or so. I don't know if you've been creating this type of work uh, for a longer period of time, uh, or maybe I just became aware of it, but you create these beautiful outdoor scenes. I mean, the, like I said before, the color, the texture, the movement of it, it's just amazing. Um, and now you've, you've I, I've noticed more of this sci-fi from your head creations yeah. that you're putting out there. So one of the things that I've been aware of in visual art and painting is that a lot of artists get typecast, so to speak. They're, they're pigeonholed into this, okay, this is a landscape painter, or I am a transparent watercolorist, and I don't use anything that's non-transparent, right? And they get super specific. It's like a diet dogma, like crazy thing. Right. Now, how has this... Um, I guess first question is how long have you been doing some of these sci-fi from your head type paintings and number one, and then number two, how has it been received by people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. There's, there's a lot to unpack with all of that. Okay. 
So there is. I'll give you a minute. Don't drop off again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, part of it is evolution as an artist, and I would do some of these kind of fantastic kind of scenes even from an early age. And so in a little bit, okay. in a little way, I'm coming back, uh, being a child again, uh, mm. reminding myself why I loved art in the first place. Uh, and so that's a little bit of a little bit of it. I think having my kids and their interests and, you know, us watching, you know, Star Wars and Marvel and all that. Oh, stuff, yeah. Yeah. You know, and making a lot of friends in, in the movie industry has, has had a little influence. Uh, but um, when I was young, a younger painter, I wanted to discover kind of I, I treated art like a, a religion where it was uh, more of a, I wanted to discover the one true way of painting. Mm. And uh, as I've gotten older and, and have been exposed to so much and so many different ways of thinking and, and enjoying so much of that and having that curiosity that I was talking about earlier and traveling the world and, and all that, I found that there isn't a, a one true way and right. not even productive to kind of search for it. And so I've kind of become a little agnostic in terms of, you know, that and, and more treating art to some degree, more like a science uh, where mm. uh, I'm testing things out, trying this out. And what does this oh, do? Experimentation. Yeah. Experimentation. What does that do? What, yeah. what if I did this? What if I col combine these colors? What if I use this tool rather than just your traditional brush? You know, uh, I've, I, I've found that that's just a much more interesting place to be. And so there's that dynamic between kind of treating painting as this, kind of religious experience and also as a science. And I think Da Vinci also mm. had that kind of a bit of a conflict. I don't know if it's a conflict. Very much so. Those different components of his, of, of his life, right. Trying to function with these kind of ideals that he may have been brought up with, but also being a bastard, you know? And so mm -hmm. he was in yeah. a, he wasn't in a societal position that had certain constraints. He could kind of move how he wanted to, because he didn't have any, yeah, you know, thing to kind of hold up. And so he could go off and do these interesting scientific things, experiments and whatever, um, and, and move in that direction. And so I think part of me too, wants to not be pigeonholed into this certain way of thinking, this certain way of being, and, you know, be able to explore and try different things and, and, and different modes of, of, of thought and creation that, has definitely added a lot of value and a lot of interest to in my life and, and kept me from, you know, there's that boredom factor too. I don't want to be a, yeah, even as an yeah. artist, you can still produce, you can still start to produce widgets. You yeah, know, yeah, for sure. The artists do that where it, they get into a kind of a production mode and want to just kind of make the money. And for me, I didn't get into this to turn it into a chore and a production line. I don't want to be a human Xerox machine. You know, I want to, yeah, yeah. I want to evolve, right? Like your podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, maybe I'm getting get in trouble for this, but I just, I, I've never been a big fan of uh, Thomas Kincaid. And I looked at his quote unquote artwork over the years and it was a Xerox machine. It was a widget. It was, let me paint something that I know people will buy and in my mind, it was a horrific art. And I know I'm being a critic right now, but it just, it was that production. So I'm resonating with what you're saying, I guess, that you want to 
express many different parts of what's inside of you. The, the evolution of who you are as a father, as a connecting to your kids, maybe connecting to people in the movie industry. What a cool connection that you're making to your soul and then using this as a scientific process of let's try certain things out. So how has that been received by people in the art community? Well, I mean, I, I you know, some movie directors have, have bought the work. I mean, I've had some NASA. Oh, wow. It. Um, okay. Gone know, into some interesting collections uh, for sure. There's also a kind of a huge fan base for Magic the Gathering. I, I, I had no idea Magic the Gathering existed. You know, there's 40 million people that play it. Wow. Uh, so they have you could you could go to a conference every uh, every week the entire year and there's a, some conference somewhere in the world that does this stuff. <laughs> All I'm saying is that there's this there's there's a lot of like it used to be science fiction and fantasy and stuff were kind of on the fringe. But well, those were the guys, Brian. Do you remember on the side of Oak Hills? Like <laughs> yeah. there was. There was a side where we would all go play. So there's the back of it where you'd play basketball and dodgeball and you go out to the field. There was the one side that had the, the, uh, the big sledding hill, you know, where you'd put the, uh, uh, the bread bags on your feet and, and uh, slide down that. Then there's the other side of the school. And on the other side of the school was where people would go play Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't interact with those people. <laughs> See, I had <laughs> but now they're buying your work. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And the price is going, going for that work that people are actually doing for, you know, artwork for a card, you know, goes, some, some have gone for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, it's, and, Oh my gosh. Like, wow. wow. There's, there's some serious collectors and it's, it's definitely gone mainstream. And so anyway, some of those people have actually collected some of my, uh, science fiction fantasy work they had no interest in my work before but once i started posting that they've gotten interested also in my tradition more traditional work hmm. uh, so it's been kind of interesting it hasn't um it, it, it's it's actually i think enhanced what i've done because in, in some ways there's a lot of landscape painters out there maybe from your vantage point sure. you see a lot. Yeah. i see a lot because of you know just being involved with it um you hmm. It, it almost feels like on Instagram, everybody in the world is, is an artist, but that's just because of that's who I'm following. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good point. And, and most people tell me like, you're the only artist I follow. And it's interesting that the algorithm wants to recommend all these other artists. And they're like, I'm just following you because I'm your friend, not because I'm really that interested in art. But um, so I, I think that I found that through this process, I've, I've uh, you know, met new people, and there's some interesting conversations that have happened because of it and mm. you know new things new you know it's because of that that's where i met all these uh guys working on you know star wars films uh you know the avatar films or uh, you know in the animation industry you know that's been really fun because there's a lot of talent in those um in in, in that arena and it's been yep. It's been so fun. what you're saying is one of the next Star Wars movies you're gonna your painting is gonna be worked into <laughs> right. a, a starship or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and hey, I, Brian, I, we're we're oh well, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And I do see, you know, there was you know just even in the latest uh, Marvel thing with Loki, uh, hmm. I know yeah. that did a painting years and years ago, and 
they ripped it off for one of the scenes. Um, anyway, I see that all the time. Uh, Very cool. It, but it's kind of cool to see stuff like that happen uh, where like a, a friend of mine uh, started, he was just doing classical sculpture. And a couple of years ago, he started adding sci kind of science fiction elements to where it looks like an ancient relic from another planet. And anyway, he got contacted uh, by uh, the filmmakers that are doing the Dune movie, the Dune reboot. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it's kind of cool. Something like that happened. So that's, that's one of the things I'd love to have just as, you know, a notch in the belt is to have something end up in a movie somewhere. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, you were, we're coming up on our time, Brian, and we really appreciate you joining us, but I've got a few rapid fire questions. I want to run through you with, or through with you that we uh, like to ask some of our guests. Uh, so you ready for some wait. quick rapid fires? Yep. Wait, before we get there, before we get there, <laughs> before we get there, we got to do this one. Cause hey, it's just the three of us. Fire. Okay. Yeah. All we'll right. go rapid fire after that. Brian, one artist who was revered throughout the art world, old artists and you can't stand their work you hate their work who is it <laughs> come on who is it oh, give you're it up forcing him to it's be actually, the critic it's actually really easy jackson pollock oh there we go okay oh okay <laughs> interesting interesting okay if somebody says jackson right. Pollock's their favorite artist i know immediately they don't know anything about art <laughs> that's I don't, awesome you say i know nothing of art <laughs> <laughs> The answer to that is yes. You don't know anything about anything. All right, Brian. So next question. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so next rapid fire question. So let's talk disruption. Um, how do you disrupt your life or your artwork to spark new growth? Uh, you got to put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation. Awesome. Then... Love it. Okay. Uh, quick, quick answer on this one. How have you evolved over the years? Uh, you know, big, big part about it is, um, I, I travel and I, I want to, mm. I, I, I brush up with new people, new cultures, you know, like, uh, for instance, was before, right before COVID hit, I was in India and that was just such a profound, um, paradigm change for me. Some of the things that I saw there and people I met and so travel and new people. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so as you've evolved, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do? Um, well, I, I kind of talked about that one true way of painting. And mm. so I, I've realized that there's so many facets, you know, even this concept of a multiverse has really, you know, has been a, a, it's a paradigm change of, of how I see reality. Um, there's mm. lots of ways to look at it. And so I'm always not taking everything that I see at face value and kind of questioning, thinking about it, turning it around in my head. So that's, uh, that's a big part of kind of how I see things today. Beautiful. Love that growth mindset. Um, next question is, are there habits, routines, or rituals that you use in order to constantly progress? Yes. Um, Again, the some of the things like ruts are great and they're great and they're terrible at the same time. Yeah, so as long as you're in a good rut, uh, and a rut or a track, right? You call them you call them one or the other, a rut or mm -hmm. a track. And 
and sometimes it's the same thing depending on if it's benefiting you or not. So it's true. I've never heard that before, but I agree. Yeah. My natural state is to come down into my studio and, and just start to create. And one of the things I've tried to do to get myself out of that kind of, which is, which is a real positive thing, right? I want to go paint, but I found, mm -hmm. I want to use, I, I need to uh, use digital tools because they'll actually help me create faster and solve problems. Oh, okay. And so there's an Very example cool. of something where I need to force myself to pick up my iPad before I pick up my brush. And okay. That's, yeah. That's how I'm trying to that. right now is use digital tools because they're so powerful. They're so fast and they can help me solve problems a lot, a lot quicker. Awesome. I love it. Last question I've got for you. So a few years back, Miles and I were sitting around and he said, man, you've got to go to this movie. And so we went to a movie together. He'd seen it before. He called it our cute little mandate. Um, <laughs> and we went to, we went to see this movie down at the Broadway theater um, and then went and grabbed some food afterwards to sit and talk about it. And I want to know, have you seen loving Vincent? Yes, I have. What yeah. did you think? I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful yeah. film. Yeah. All right. Well, for our listeners who haven't seen it, we would highly recommend it. Uh, every background, everything in the the uh, movie was painted. And I can't remember what the number was, but well over a quarter of a million paintings, I believe, that were painted to produce that film. Yeah. And I know a hundred uh, different yeah. artists on it. Yeah. 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 Beautiful painting. Well, and on that note, folks, it's time to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Brian Mark Taylor, for joining us today. And my co-host, yeah, yeah. W. Miles Riley. Uh, yeah, we've yeah. had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. Uh, Brian, what is the best way for people to follow all of the great work that you do to learn more about all of the awesome stuff you have going on by the Strata Easel? Uh, how do they get a hold of you? Well, I think the best way is just uh, my website, uh, brianmarktaylor.com or on Instagram. Actually, Instagram's probably an easier way. So my handle is brianmarktaylor, brian with a Y. So just remember, I've got three first names, Brian Mark Taylor. And that's, <laughs> that's, the, true, way. Yes. that's the easiest way to get a hold of me or, or see what I'm doing or get up to date on what's going on. Again, I, I just want to put a little plug for uh, Vision X Live, if you don't mind. It's yeah, global, absolutely. Global Art Conference, uh, July 16th through 18th. It's coming up in about 16 days. And what, I, what we've done here is I've put together my wish list of artists, thinkers, curators that I, that, that I really respect. And, and I, I think it's just crazy not to come to the conference. It's, uh, it's going to be an amazing thing. And uh, uh, visionxlive.com is is the conference so so brian will people be able to access that information after so by the time this episode drops we'll be past that timeline um so can people access that online how can they get get a hold of the content that you guys are you can actually get a replay later. pass so awesome okay. the replay pass you can there's going to be 80 plus events and so you could just uh replay it and you know while you're working or doing whatever you're doing listen to some of the demonstrations but it's, it's going to be amazing. 
Yeah, I love that. And I'll tell you, for our listeners, for those of you that have ever thought to yourself that you have a creative spark or question whether you have a creative spark, get involved in this because you never know until you do like Brian did and just go all in. Now, maybe you're not going to quit your job and start an art career tomorrow, but give it a shot, whether it's painting, learning a new music instrument, or whatever it is, because it's going to be a big part of evolving your soul. So we want to thank Brian for joining us today. And hey, folks, don't wait. Go smash the stars or the ratings or whatever it is on whatever app you're listening to us on at the Evolve Podcast. It really helps us when you give us great ratings to find other amazing guests like Brian to join us on the podcast. Now, Miles, what's new at Evolve? Well, if you don't have our latest Evolve Your Soul, Evolve Your Mind, Evolve Your Body, Evolve Your Tribe t-shirts, head on over to the store and pick one up. Pick one up that speaks to your soul, something that resonates with you, and grab one of our t-shirts. Great. Thanks, Miles. And remember, folks, that it takes time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. Remember that you're fantastic, but now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve.